What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guest today is Jiho, the co-founder and head of growth at Axie Infinity. Not one to follow the well-trodden path, Jiho blazes his own trail. Whether he's creating a successful NFT project or integrating DeFi into gameplay mechanics, Jiho sets a furious pace of constant innovation. We covered a multitude of topics during our conversation, but the reoccurring theme was to focus on the fundamentals. Listen to the community, always innovate, and create a great experience for the users. Please enjoy my conversation with Jiho. Jeff, or more commonly known as Jiho, thank you so much for coming on today and having a conversation with me. And to get us started, I'd love to hear about your backgrounds, how you got started in crypto, and how you got involved with non-fungible tokens. Yeah, definitely, Andrew. So first wanted to say thanks for having me on the, on the podcast. Been a big fan of uh, your content. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Just to kind of dive a little bit into my background. So I actually came from the traditional startup space. You know, I was actually doing like equity investing, but I read, I read Zero to One by Peter Thiel and I got super interested in the idea of like kind of creating a new market wanted to kind of go in a new direction. So actually kind of like quit my job and started uh, doing some research into Ethereum and smart contracts. Um, so a lot of a lot of my really smart friends were super interested in the space. And uh, yeah, so I kind of like was doing research on Ethereum and the kind of concept of non-fungible tokens popped up uh, through CryptoKitties and I actually became one of the early players, early breeders got very involved with that community, actually worked on an NFT project called Kitty Hats. That's kind of like how I went, went down the rabbit hole. So kind of through the CryptoKitty community, I was able to meet the founders of Axie Infinity. Uh, this guy Trung, he's actually the CEO now. Um, he kind of pitched me on this vision for a kind of Pokemon and Tamagotchi inspired universe where you could actually use, uh, use your time and effort to add value to these to the NFTs. And that vision really uh, kind of resonated with me. Yeah, I kind of dropped everything, broke up with my girlfriend, gave my dog to my parents and moved to Vietnam to kind of embark on this crazy NFT adventure. That has got to be definitely the coolest story that, that I've heard so far. I had no idea that you were involved with Kitty Hats. That, that's, that's really cool. When you were looking at CryptoKitties, were you thinking this is like, wow, this is the end all be all? Or were you thinking, this is the very, very seed of this ecosystem kind of beginning. Yeah, I kind of saw it as a proof of concept. What really fascinated me about uh, CryptoKitties in the beginning was the community, how the community was kind of really taking ownership of the project, obviously building things on top of it like crypto, but like kitty hats, but also, yeah, like marketing the project, doing like community management. So I really saw that I think it was because people really felt like they owned part of the game through the cats that they were so passionate about it. And that's definitely how I felt as well. So yeah, I kind of saw it as a proof of concept, knew that it was something that I wanted to kind of dedicate a large amount of time to. And going back slightly, uh, what are your views on cryptocurrencies in general? So like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptos? My background is a little bit in like kind of monetary theory and uh, economic history. So I see cryptocurrencies kind of through the lens of a more kind of general loss in confidence in public institutions. I think it's just private money. What we're seeing also is that in the traditional internet, Web 2.0, 
we've gotten really good at transmitting information, but people don't actually have property rights on the internet. So I think that's a lot about what Ethereum and the non-fungible token economy is doing is actually giving true property rights to people on the internet. I love that. I completely agree with kind of equating digital property rights with blockchain-based assets. Before, as you are very well aware, we are kind of living in this world where people could play games and you know you could own your assets within that game. But if you did anything wrong or if you messed up in some manner, then the game developers could come in and delete all your assets. So no, it's definitely good that uh, now we're getting stronger digital property rights, so to speak. Yeah, that actually happened to me. I was, uh, I was actually one of the early WoW players. I was in a guild called Overrated. Um, actually got like very or mildly kind of infamous within the WoW community. We kind of found this exploit that basically allowed us to kind of skip uh, to the end boss of one of the early WoW uh, raids. And uh, Blizzard kind of found out what we were doing and banned all of our accounts. The thing is, I was actually at summer camp. This is like when I was young, like maybe 14 years old. I was at summer camp and ended up getting banned anyway because of the actions of my guildmates. So I think that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way and probably set me down this path that made me more open to this idea of giving more power to players. You know, Vitalik Buterin, the founder of Ethereum, he, uh, I don't know if he's saying it in jest, but I think he might be serious. He wrote on his personal website or one of his personal websites saying that he decided to start Ethereum after Blizzard banned one of his characters after, you know, spending hours and hours and hours on this character and building him up to high level and getting all the best gear and whatnot. Blizzard banned him for XYZ reasons. And he was like fed up with the situation. It sounds very, very similar to what you just explained. So that's, that's really cool to see that connection there. Moving on a bit. So what is it about NFTs that you find attractive or, or like, why would you buy NFTs? I've always been really interested in, as a gamer, kind of owning something that's akin to kind of a stake in the project. So I always feel like, felt like as a gamer that, you know, I could actually help the community. I could uh, help bring new people in, kind of make it more popular, contribute ideas um, that I should also like be able to kind of share in the success of a project. The kind of pure Kickstarter model where you get like merch I guess like early access that never really like super really resonated with me. You know, I'm really interested in kind of how uh, NFTs actually represent parts of parts of uh, the games or projects behind them. Uh, yeah, so uh, you know I'm I'm quite picky with my with my NFT investments. Like, so I'm <laughs> I think I've done actually quite well. I need to see like the right combination of utility, fun gameplay, good token design. Um, and also, obviously, like beautiful art. Going off of that directly, can you name some of the NFT projects that you're currently involved in? So obviously, I own CryptoKitties, did quite well there. Own a lot of Axies, of course. I thought Cheese Wizards was kind of interesting because of like the whole like tournament dynamic and being able to kind of uh, use game theory there. Sandbox, I bought a, uh, bought some uh, parcels there. Crypto Voxels. Um, I actually like met some of their community members at NFT NYC last year and was like super blown away by the community. Um, took a look and you know was, got really entranced by that. There's also like a Axie uh, area or I guess <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of Axie property in there, so I got really interested in that project. Um, but yeah, like not not too many. Like I, I like to basically concentrate my bets and to where I have 
a high conviction. That is definitely the way to go. I think diversification in within the crypto industry is not it's not as effective as, as it is with traditional assets for sure. Uh, maybe in the future that will change and diversification will be a big part of people's kind of strategies. But I think for now it's best to stick with the top the top players. I wanted to ask you, what are some red flags for an NFT project? A lot of the times I can just go to the to the homepage of a project and see like, hey, like their front end looks kind of janky. I don't I don't really the art style doesn't really resonate with me. Um, they don't really seem to have a active or healthy Discord community. So I think like my first step for due diligence is to actually go in the Discord, talk to people, um, see whether they're the kind of people that I mesh well with. Yeah, so I, th- I think like the Discord community, um, especially like for a super early project, the kind of aesthetics and art is, is a big thing. Um, and then, yeah, if they have like details on like the gameplay, if it's a game, I guess, kind of diving into that. I want to get more into kind of like the art collecting side of things. My my dad was actually a painter, so so I'm I'm super interested in that side of things. But uh, I haven't I haven't like done enough research yet to kind of make my first kind of like pure art uh, purchases. You mentioned that you actually go to a project's website and just visually will kind of diligence that, which I find super interesting because it seems quite obvious. But you just pointed out that if their website is not really I don't know, working correctly or a little bit janky, you can kind of get a, an indication that the project itself might follow that kind of style of not really putting full effort into into uh, their project. I also know like, you know, some of the Axie players, like in the early days, they used to read our smart contracts. And that's when I, when I asked them like, oh, like what, what interested you in Axie, even though like you really couldn't do anything with your Axies when we first launched, you know, like things were so much different back then. And yeah, there was like, yeah, we, we read the smart contracts or <laughs> looked at some, some code and we're really impressed. So uh, that's, that's another like interesting kind of DD method that, I, that I've seen. In the future, that'll be kind of an, an essential for doing due diligence on, on projects for sure. And that's really cool that the early members were actually diving that deep to see how Axies was. So that's, that's, that shows a really strong community. Going off of a community, I think that the community aspect of non-fungible tokens is is so extremely powerful. And I think it's way more intense than it is in the traditional crypto world. Because you know, you have your traders and your telegram groups for trading and whatnot. And you know, maybe you can make some friends from that. You know, I, I've been in, involved in traditional quote unquote traditional crypto for uh, since 2017. I haven't really I don't think I've made great friends from any of those groups. It's more of just conversation and what's going on and whatnot. But with non-fungible tokens, I found that the community aspect is so important. And I've actually made good friends from just the chat groups and from talking to these uh, other players. And why do you think that is? Why is the community aspect of this so important? I think that compared to a normal crypto project, the relationship between community members is a little bit more dynamic. Like you're able to actually do things together because there are kind of unique assets, right? Like also like being able to trade and and negotiate is like super, super key, right? So yeah, I I think like, you know, there's there's also like a a question of incentive alignment, right? Like the, the, the people in these NFT projects are very incentivized to kind of be, to be on their best behavior, to, to be super welcoming, because, you know, stuff like that is actually what's going to determine the, the future health of the project. And that's one thing that I noticed 
super early on is that these NFT gaming communities are not like your normal kind of like toxic gaming community, because I I think it really does come to economic incentives and also kind of like the type of people that it attracts, people who are interested in uh, kind of more egalitarian and open future. Yeah, it's really funny. You mentioned skin in the game. It's because people have this economic incentive that they kind of do curtail their their normal uh, toxic gaming behaviors. And uh, you're absolutely right about that. I, I didn't really think that the NFT communities were so friendly, but then you just made it very, very apparent that they, they in fact are compared to regular gaming communities. Yeah, I, I also don't think it's like toxic people being on their best behavior. I think it's also that it tends to attract the people who understand how those dy- dynamics work, if that makes sense. Totally. I'm not saying all gaming is toxic either. I think that just gaming culture, like you just kind of poke fun at each other and just, you know, you, you want to give everyone a hard time just because that's just kind of how it is. I'm not really, I'm not, I'm not actually, not, I'm not really sure why, but. Yeah, I mean, it's because in a, in a traditional game, right? Like for most, for most people like bragging and saying, oh, like I'm better than you. Like that's the only value prop that the game has. There's no like, you know, personal gain um, in other ways, right? It's all just like emotional superiority. Whereas in a NFT project or a blockchain based game, um, there are other kind of forms of capital or, at stake. You're absolutely correct. That's really interesting. Now, I would like to dive deep into axes. So tell me as simple as possible. Let's pretend I'm someone who's never heard of axes. Tell me what axes is. So Axie Infinity is a digital pet game kind of inspired by Pokemon, where players can battle, raise, collect, trade these cute fantasy creatures called axes. Yeah, we're actually the first blockchain game to introduce you know, the ability to earn tokens by simply playing the game. Um, we think that's super revolutionary. Mechanics like that are actually going to be able to bring the benefits of blockchain to p- non-technical people, which I think is obviously the, <laughs> the bigger piece of the pie that we're aiming to go for. You said that players can actually earn earn while playing in the game. Can you, can you unpack that a bit? So in Axie, the cool, the cool thing is that, so we have a very player-driven economy. Axies are... There are only around 140,000 axes right now, and we basically carefully control the population growth rate by making sure that people actually have to do work or play the game to earn the right to breed. Um, so right now, the way that works is that players have to interact with a mobile application to earn potions, small love potions, which are actually tokenized. They can actually use those to breed. And the cool thing is uh, because those are tokens, um, they're actually freely tradable through the Ethereum blockchain. There's actually a uh, liquidity pool for them on uh, Uniswap, which is a very popular DEX, meaning that uh, we actually have a very compelling core gameplay loop right now where players can get a team of axes, earn some tokens, and then get immediate liquidity for those tokens um, on a decentralized exchange. So yeah, we think that's a really compelling thing. We think it's very fresh. And it's been driving a lot of growth for a recent alpha, which we released in December. I always see you tweeting about Axies is, is kind of the first game to introduce play to earn. People are able to play with their, uh, get their Axies, battle other Axies, and through battling and leveling up their, character, their Axies, they're able to actually earn these tokens. And these tokens are uh, called small love potions. Is, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And these small of potions, they're ERC twenties. Yeah, they're they're tokenized. So they're able to use it, and the small of potions are used to breed 
axes because before I think you could just breed them with no love potions. And now you introduce that in order to make it much, it kind of introduced like a proof of work model into, into breeding more. Yeah. It's kind of like proof of proof of play, proof of contribution. If you want to think of think about it like that. What I always found kind of perplexing as a non-technical person about blockchain is that in order to earn cryptocurrency, you had to be like a miner, right? But there's so many other ways to add value to a network than just mining for security. So I, I think that's what I think what that's one of the interesting things about non-fungible tokens is that it allows content creators, players, um, people who are good at uh, evangelizing to actually add to the value of a project and add value to their own assets. So that, that's why I think it's like uh, super, super compelling. And I, I think it's actually on user-facing applications, many of which are, will be using non-fungible tokens. It's on them to actually spread the adoption of blockchain technology because base layers, their incentive mechanisms and are basically designed to incentivize security. They're not really incentivized to spread adoption. So what we've seen so far is that we've we've gotten some relatively secure base layers, mainly Bitcoin and Ethereum, and what we're lacking is adoption. But I think a lot of that is just due to, yeah, these user-facing apps figuring out these loops that actually reward their community members for spreading their applications and kind of through that, the adoption of blockchain. I love the term proof of play that you said instead of proof of work, because obviously proof of work implies it's not going to be that exciting. And I think that you're absolutely correct about the current base layer chains. Those are very well, well, I mean, not all of them, but the top ones are suited for security and they do do that proof of work. But then in order to get more people into the blockchain ecosystem, gaming and proof of play will have to really take charge. I think a lot of people I see on Twitter say that DeFi is going to bring in, you know, the next, you know, 100 million users into crypto. I'm, I'm pretty, I don't, I disagree with that. I think finance in general is very interesting and I think it's great, obviously, but um, it's not very appealing to, it's not appealing to everybody. And I think gaming now is, has become very, very appealing to all types of people. And so what are your thoughts around DeFi and the NFT gaming ecosystems? Yeah, I mean, I, I love DeFi. I think it's going to be huge. Um, but I actually think that DeFi is the backbone of uh, the user aggregation layer or even... Uh, so I do believe that DeFi is very important. Um, but I see that as kind of like the plumbing behind these user-facing applications that might not be kind of purely financial on the surface. For example, DeFi uh, applications, things like Uniswap um, and DAI for MakerDAO are actually allowing us to create true play-to-earn dynamics in our game. We need true play-to-earn to actually create a tangible benefit that's compelling to kind of like non-technical, non-crypto native users. If you go to like any like incubator program or, or accelerator, they're going to tell you that, you know, you should always, when it comes to messaging for your, for your product, you have to rely on the benefits. Don't talk about the features. Um, and I think that for gaming, right, something like play to earn, that's a, that's a very tangible and relatable benefit that can appeal to a lot of people that don't necessarily really even care about cryptocurrency. Um, and I do think that DeFi is a core 
uh, part of what's enabling play to earn. It, it certainly is in kind of our early implementation of it. I couldn't agree with what you said more. I think that it's more DeFi is the plumbing that enables all these even cooler mechanics to, to come to life uh, within the blockchain and NFT ecosystem. Going back a bit, you said that when players download the Axie app, which I think you're the first NFT game to have an app. Is that is that right? Yeah, I mean, I generally think that's true. There might be some out there floating out there um, that I might not be aware of or that I don't consider like a true blockchain game. Right, right, okay. And you said that from battling, you can earn the small love potions. And was there a reason that you said, uh, you decided that, hey, I want we want to build an app instead of just have it on a regular PC? You know, we're, we're living in a kind of mobile first world. Um, I think that, mobile like a pc game takes around like four years or something to build like a true triple a title whereas with uh, mobile applications people are kind of already used to something that's cute a little bit more simple um, with very kind of addicting and compelling gameplay loops so you can also play i actually play axie predominantly for my uh, macbook um, you know, multi-platform is super key to us, but we're, we love the fact that we're on mobile. We see like great numbers from our mobile usage. Um, you know, we, we see Axie as something that, you know, you can play in the bathroom at work, you can play on your morning commute. So yeah, that's definitely been like a core element of our strategy. While they're playing on their mobile phones, not only is it fun, but it's also they can actually earn money, which I think is that that is the craziest thing. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, so one of the things that I uh, calculated recently is kind of like there's basically you can calculate kind of like a basic minimum wage for interacting with our game. And I was thinking about like, you know, someone who works at a Froyo store with like low, uh, low traffic. I, I, I called it a banana stand as a joke in my tweet. But let's imagine someone who works at a Froyo shop with like pretty low volume, you could be making $10 an hour. Um, but then supplementing that with, you know, maybe uh, $2 an hour from interacting with their app. Um, so that, you know, I, th- I think it, it's something that can make a difference for a lot of people. A lot of the people that many blockchain projects claim to be trying to onboard in t- into this ecosystem. It's $2 an hour from playing this app, uh, from playing Axies. Is that right? Yeah. Last, last time I calculated it, it was around that. If it fluctuates, it could be higher. It could um, be slightly lower. But I would say like between $150 to $2. Um, is kind of like uh, where it's stable at right now. Um, we'll see where it goes like long term. Um, you know, we're also going to be uh, right now like SLP or small love potions are like basically the only thing that you can earn through the application. But we plan on introducing things like die tokens from other projects. One of the kind of elements or loops that I'm really interested in is basically rather than spending a huge budget marketing. Um, for user acquisition, I'm really interested in you know going to strong blockchain-based projects that have a liquid token, saying, "Hey, like we have a really engaged community. Give us some of your token, and we're not going to keep it for ourselves. We're going to give it to our players to, and you know that's going to help you with distribution of your token. So it's kind of like a different business model um, than a traditional game, but it's also going to drive user growth for us by basically. Rather than spending money on like traditional marketing, kind of getting uh, tokens from some of these big blockchain projects like MakerDAO and then distributing them to our players, creating a true play to earn, which then drives growth. And then, um, you know, obviously like kind of accrues value to our network. That is so crazy cool. It's kind of like the 
you know, I'm sure you've heard the metaverse term and, and what, what the kind of the metaverse entails. It's basically a virtual environment where people live and work and, and play. And uh, I think that being able to actually earn a living in a completely virtual environment, completely above the board, not like anything is, uh, you know, it's not like World of Warcraft gold miners where they could get shut down. This is all above board. I think that, that is so incredibly awesome. And I, and I love your idea about getting more crypto projects involved to increase kind of distribution of their projects, but also just to get more people exposed to crypto in general. I think that that's just, that's just mind blowing. What we saw is that the old airdrop model is fundamentally broken where you're not, you're throwing darts um, with blindfolds on trying to get your token in the hands of people who are actually going to help your project. Whereas the Axie community has a long track record of being great at creating content. I'm very enthusiastic, you know, web three native. Yeah, I think I think it's something that MakerDAO has already kind of really seen the value behind, and I, you know we expect uh, other projects to also see that same value proposition. So we'll yeah we'll have more like kind of announcements related to uh, that kind of d- dynamic in the future. I want to talk about Axie Land. I know that you guys have done a sale of some land within the Axie universe, and I kind of want to talk about what is going to go within that universe and how that kind of connects to the to the broader Axie vision. Yeah, definitely. So when Axie, the project, when Axie first started, there was this idea of like terrariums, right? Like every pet, you know, we really saw Axies as kind of digital pets in the same vein as like a Tamagotchi or Pokemon. And we really like the raising aspect from Tamagotchi and actually Neopets back in the day. Neopets, by the way, I think would have been a great blockchain game because it had a very active secondary market. You know, games like that, yeah, I, th- I think like Axie, basically, this idea of having a home for your pets is very compelling. And I think uh, we, we spoke to our users and, you know, they got really interested in this idea of being able to actually own territory and in our game world, uh, forming clans, forming alliances, being able to harvest resources, being able to attack uh, monsters guarding treasures. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I think you know it's 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 something that the the community kind of sprung into existence, and yeah, we're we're super excited about it. So we're actually like starting to work on gameplay now that the the PvP kind of like dynamics are uh, really handled. So, I think the land land gameplay is going to be it's something that people are really excited about. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it's going to be really awesome. In this virtual world, in this virtual environment, the players will be able to, you mentioned resources and actually fighting monsters. So it's PVE and also will they be able to verse each other or is it just mainly player versus environment? I think the idea of like being able to attack other people's lands is is pretty interesting and compelling as well. I think like at the beginning, the core mechanics will be around like harvesting resources uh, that kind of pop up on your land based on where it's located, what you have like put on it, like what types of items, for example, um, and then also like attacking monsters that are guarding different resource nodes. But I think I think that PvP also like fits really well into the system. And these resources that the players can obtain are they used to build items? Or are they used to level up your axes, or what's their purpose? We've seen with SLP that there can actually be a, quite a lot of demand for these types of things. So I think uh, upgrading your axes upgrading your land um, they could also even be things like our native token which um, I guess we'll, we're gonna release more information on that but it's basically something that kind of represents um, something like a real stake in our system 
I'm very excited to hear about that. What are your thoughts of, around user-generated content? Because I know a lot of platforms that introduce land generally like to uh, enable their users to build kind of structures and businesses and kind of entertainment, whatever they want on these virtual properties. Are you guys thinking about anything on user-generated content? I, I know you guys are extremely community-driven and already listen to the community totally. So that in a sense, that's kind of user-generated content, but are you going to go deeper? Yeah, definitely. So the idea of user-generated content, I think meshes really well with a with the NFT project. What we've seen is that actually our our community right now has already built like many like third-party tools, a couple of small mini games, and something that's that's something that we want to see snowball in the future. So the plan is to release an SDK that makes it super easy for people to build on top of Axie. I kind of you know I think one of our core strengths is the our beautiful IP, and I think it's something that resonates with a lot of people. Um, it's very strong art isn't something that all game developers or indie game developers have access to. We think a lot of people are going to be interested in kind of you know, using the Axie assets to build, uh, you know, super interesting experiences. And definitely that sh- that should be tied to land. That's awesome. It's going to be uh, a really, really crazy, crazy world. I kind of see it as like a internet monster protocol, if you will. Oh, I-, I love that. Let's explain that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, like... The things built by the Axie team, I think, are going to be the core uh, aspect of Axie for a long time. You know, if, if we execute on the vision that we have, theoretically, you know, we could have major kind of gameplay and major experiences that are built by, built, built by the community that could theoretically even eclipse what we've built ourselves as the core Axie team. Um, you, we've obviously, like, you know, very popular games and in the past have kind of arisen from that concept, like uh, like Dota or, or uh, Counter-Strike. Yeah, I, I think it's something that could definitely happen. I think the difference is that theoretically the incentives make even more sense for it to happen in an NFT project because the players could actually own tokens that accrue in value as the project becomes more popular. So you guys are kind of building this NFT gaming infrastructure and then you're going to eventually allow users to build anything that they kind of can dream up on, on it. Yeah, that, that's definitely something that, you know, we find really interesting. Um, I do want to say that I think one of our strengths as a project has been our willingness to take full responsibility for the content um, in, the uni- in the universe or the content related to our NFTs at the beginning. I think a lot of projects have been too kind of like, oh, like we're going to leave it up to the community um, it's up to the community to kind of add value to the NFTs. Like, I, I think that's theoretically something that can happen long, long term. But I do think that you need like strong direction from the core team at the beginning. I couldn't agree with that more. I think we have seen a few projects in the space start off with a direction and then they have let go of the reins a bit and kind of let the community uh, guide it. But I think that at this stage, we are just simply way too early in order to to have that vision built out effectively. So I, th- I think you're absolutely correct. I want to talk to you about the, I think you guys have built a, a part of the app that is not connected to Web3 whatsoever. It's kind of just a regular game with axes and, and the whole gameplay and everything completely uh, completely there. The purpose of that was you guys want to onboard quote unquote regular people into the ecosystem. And then what do you tell them? When you Do you say, hey, you guys like this game, you guys are playing it. Do you guys want to play this and do everything you're doing and have fun? 
but also earn money? Or like, what is your kind of pitch to the regular users? Actually, right now, in order to interact with our alpha application, you actually do need to own like the ERC-721 axes. Um, that is, but, but long term, or I guess within this year, we are interested in basically creating like free non-tokenized axes to allow people to basically interact with our application without being onboarded to Web3 and then kind of be onboarded once they're you know activated users who are in love with the universe. So that's kind of like a, it's an interesting design problem. It's like, how do you basically hook them into your universe and then onboard them to Web3? But I think that's much easier than basically trying to onboard them into Web3 when, you know, they, they aren't like in love with the gameplay yet. That makes sense. So you and I and a lot of other NFT users, it's so clear to us the use case and why uh, NFTs uh, provide so much more value versus traditional digital items. Why has that not picked up fr- from the quote unquote, like normal world? Like what, why have people not latched on to NFTs like a- as we have? I think it's uh, I think it's a combination of a couple of things like cryptocurrencies right now are kind of seen as like murky, scary things. There's also, I think, like, people aren't really sure about what the benefits are. I think it's uh, changing. It, it, you know, it takes time to build experiences that are compelling enough to draw people in based on their own merit. Um, And it also creates, it also takes time to create things like these play-to-earn gameplay loops. Um, But I think uh, they're starting to come together. Um, So the growth engines for these NFT projects um, I think is is they're being formed right now. Um, I know, for, at least for Axie, like you know, since the application came out, since the SLP pool went live on Uniswap, um, our growth has been compounding pretty rapidly. So, do you think that more players or users will enter the crypto ecosystem from the trading side? Like, hey, I want to trade these assets and maybe make some money, or do you think they'll enter from the gaming side? As in, hey, this is a really fun game and I can earn money. Which which side do you think that they'll enter from? Our approach is that we want both. Uh, we want both types of people. Like that's why you know ac- we we think axes are cute enough so that a kind of conventional mainstream gamer would be like, hey, that's super cute. And I want to play that game, and then kind of be onboarded to the crypto economic aspects of it later. Um, we also like we do love our like core like crypto native community because those those va- those users are quite high value. They're very intelligent. They're great evangelists. A lot of them have economic freedom, so they're you know willing to put a lot of work into you know kind of evangelizing and helping your projects. So. All right, we're going to get into the closing questions now. I wanted to ask you, what is the single favorite NFT that you own? <laughs> mm, this, this is a hard one. You have any favorite axes? My favorite axie is probably so I have this axie with uh, Sky Mavis eyes. So Sky Mavis is actually a mystic part. Mystic parts are like supply limited. Um, they're purely aesthetic right now, but um, there's only, I think, around 30 Sky Mavises. That's actually the name of the equity entity that we raised under. So basically, Sky Mavis is like the Axie core team. <laughs> yeah, so so my favorite Axie is like number 5170. It's a double mystic reptile. So yeah, I, I probably value it at around 20 Ether. Yeah, actually, and then outside of Axie, like I have a huge emotional attachment to the first dog cat. I actually sold it to this guy, Go West. I think he might have been on your podcast. Um, I think he bought it for like thir- for 38 Ether. That uh, cat will always kind of be near and dear to my heart. Um, it was a, basically a, a very intense fancy chase in the early days of CryptoKitties. And so a lot of memories behind that cat. Those are both great responses. Love it. All right, next question. 
you have a billion dollars in funding and a massive technical team, what would you build for the NFT space? Yeah, I think something like uh, an MMO with uh, with the Axie with the Axie IP would be amazing. You know, would require a huge amount of funding to pull off, and I'd also love to see like tokens dropping in that universe. You know, and a lot of like amazing technology coming out of building that that we could then um, basically help onboard AAA game studios um, to blockchain games. And I really do think that the future of like blitz scaling or scaling quickly, a you know, a game will involve blockchain technology. I actually think that gaming has been very slow to adopt like the Silicon Valley, like Uber, Amazon blitz scaling strategies, where you basically um, you know, help people make money. You uh, take in uh, a lot of capital um, to provide benefits to your users, kind of subsidized for and basically forego immediate profitability for growth. I think I actually think that current games are too focused on like profitability, um, and they actually could take a kind of lesson from some of these uh, fast scaling Silicon Valley startups. It might be a little bit contrarian these days where some of these companies are getting a lot of flack, but I do really, I'm really interested in the idea of basically building a network and then monetizing later. How will blockchain and NFTs help that? How will they help the the gaming companies scale up? Yeah, definitely. So imagine if you were, you know, actually just, you know, dropping ETH and dropping Bitcoin um, inside your game rather than just like traditional item got, drops. Like how huge of a story would that be? Like how fast could you grow if you had like, you know, the budgets of some of these huge AAA studios, right? So I, I think I think it would be actually like a race to kind of implement that kind of uh, <laughs> those kinds of benefits. Okay. So just providing the users a massive incentive to jump in and start playing and start exploring stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like right now it's like uh, these game companies have, you know, they've made basically the games free. Imagine if these, these companies actually paid people to play, um, how, how huge their networks could grow. Um, they could then monetize through like advertising, which I know like things like Fortnite is basically their user base is so huge that they could probably in the future just survive on advertising revenue without like relying on item sales. Enabling and exploring different methods of monetizing gameplay. I think that that's really interesting. I can't even imagine what kind of incentives, incentive structures that games of blockchain games of the future are going to come up with because the possibilities are just absolutely endless. So it's going to be an exciting time. All right. What is something that you'd like to see happen or something that you think needs to happen to the NFT ecosystem? I'm really interested in seeing uh, which project will be able to kind of create a very well-designed value accrual token, something like the maker token, something like uh, synthetics, uh, where basically you're able to build a network business model and then uh, use that business model to accrue value to a token. I think whoever can do that is going to be able to basically kind of create value almost out of thin air based on like future expected value of the network and then use that to scale. Um, That's something that we're very interested in. You mentioned before that you are you guys are exploring the idea of a, a native Axie token, and you guys trying to figure out what crypto economic incentives uh, best fit gameplay and best fit uh, value accrual to the token, or kind of what are you what are you kind of exploring in that realm? Yeah, it's basically like what 
what is the type of work that you want to incentivize out of your token holders? So for example, in the synthetics network, network fees are paid to stakers and stakers are required to basically mint synthetic assets, which allow uh, for the trade volume on the exchange to, to go up. Um, a little bit actually easier maybe um, for, for a game because it's like you might want to incentivize people just to like play the game and, uh, to unlock rewards or evangelize the game or build on top of it. So yeah, I think, I think there's, it's a very flexible model. Um, it's something that we're definitely given a lot of thought to. So yeah, uh, you know, definitely stay tuned for, for announcements related to stuff like that in the future. I can't wait to see what you guys come up with. It's going to be game changing. I'm really excited. Next one. What are the key factors for success for an NFT project? Is it the community? Does it have to be a fun game? Is it kind of a combo? Kind of tell me what you think are the key factors for success. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a combination of maybe three things. Like, I think you need to have strong IP that really resonates with people. You know, something that's either beautiful, super cute, very memorable, meme-worthy even. Um, I think there has to be, you know, very compelling, for a game at least, uh, you know, very compelling gameplay loop. I think, that you, I think you need people on the project who understand, like, token design, um, maybe even understand like monetary theory and central banking, because you know as a as a, as a developer in these NFT games, you're actually acting as a central banker. I don't think we've seen any like projects that have you know basically like successfully decentralized and taken power out of the hands of the devs. So basically, acting as the central banker, so you know, need to understand like um, how your actions kind of affect the economy. I do think yeah, also like having a very strong community. Um, of, of core evangelists um, is is very important. I think uh, one of our, one of our approaches at Axie is that you know we don't we take community management like really seriously. We've never like really outsourced it to people. Like you know our we actually have founders like myself, Alexander, um, like Trung, our CEO, like does quite a bit on the community side as well. It's not something where we you know hire an intern kind of like a low-level employee to manage our Discord. Like we actually have our founders doing that on a daily basis. I think that's a great approach. All right, the last question. Where do you see the world of NFTs in three years? I think that in three years, we're going to see in a very compelling manner how NFT projects are actually onboarding kind of everyday people to the rest of the crypto economy. I think that we're going to see like a lot of really interesting experiments and in how to empower users kind of crop up over the coming years. So, I mean, the way that I see it is we actually, in terms of like gaming um, and property rights on the internet, we've been living in almost like a kind of feudal, um, <laughs> like the feudal middle ages. And we're about to like, we're about to enter the Renaissance. Um, we're about to enter almost a, capitalist revolution where people are actually uh, taking taking control of their data for the first time. So um, I, yeah, I, I do think that we're going to see so many interesting ways for people to transact and exchange value um, over the internet that, you know, it's, it's really hard to kind of uh, envision right now. But I mean, what, what we're trying to do is figure out what does a more open and egalitarian gaming project look like right so that's our first question i think that leads inevitably leads to you know 50 other questions that we're excited to answer in the future 
Yeah, I love that analogy, the Renaissance, because I think that the Renaissance was an era of experimentation and creation and just kind of trying out new things. And I think that we're definitely entering that not only in the in the gaming space, but also just in the financial space because of because of blockchain technology and crypto. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to see the uh, renaissance of gaming and renaissance of finance. It's going to be it's going to be exciting times for sure. Someone once uh, explained explained Axie is like a hyper capitalist version of Pokemon, which I, I thought was really funny. But yeah, in, in some ways it's true. It's kind of, I think, like an experiment in hyper capitalism and, and digital pets. So. That's awesome. I, I love it. Jiho, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been awesome talking to you. And I would love to uh, link any sort of Twitter or any website you want. What do, what do you think? What should I link in the description of, of this podcast? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to, I'd love for you to kind of link the the starter guides for Axie Infinity to make it super easy for people to uh, start playing. Would want people to follow me on Twitter, reach out. Um, it's just Jihos J I H O Z underscore A X I E. That's my uh, Twitter. So definitely reach out. My DMs are always open. Would love to see you guys in Axie Discord. Uh, trying out our application, giving us feedback on that. Perfect. All right, man. Thank you so much for coming on. And you'll have to come on in a few months when uh, there's new updates for Axies. Definitely. There, there will always be new updates for Axies. So um, yeah, very excited to kind of keep interfacing with you. Really uh, appreciating everything you're doing. I thought the proof of work thing was really awesome. I'll make sure that uh, the Axie ones are always very exciting. Thanks so much for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see Axie's uh, kind of moves in the NFT space as well, because you guys always seem to be pushing the boundaries and on the forefront of all this new these new models. So I'm really excited for you guys as well. So thanks so much, man. And we'll talk soon. All right, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.